Hello and welcome. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot and this is Season 1, Episode 12 of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. This podcast is brought to you on 10 different platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. It is also available on Anchor and the video format is on YouTube. If you would like to support me as an anti-MLM content creator, the very best way you can do that is through my Patreon and there'll be a link to that in the description. There are three tiers ranging from a dollar to $10 a month and literally any amount helps. And if you're listening to be on Anchor, you can donate there through listener support. Today's guest is my friend Heather. I've known Heather for a couple of years now and she is a wine broker. She's been in the wine industry 20 years. Now what Heather does is she sells to restaurants typically large companies, large vineyards, say like Modavi or Silver Oak, they hire someone who acts as a representative and goes around and sells. Other smaller family-owned vineyards is what Heather represents, and she sells the wine to um, restaurants. And that's how I met her, because she comes to where my husband works and sells wine to that restaurant. So join me as I chat with Heather and she provides her insight and expertise into the world of MLMs and wine. Oh, and a PS, Heather is not going to appear on screen, not because she doesn't want to be on camera. She didn't realize that she was going to be on camera. So she wasn't all, you know, prepared and all of that sort of stuff. So I'm just going to stick up something for you to look at or that way, you know, you can go around and do your own thing as you listen to Heather and me chit chat. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And just to paint a picture a bit for my audience, I met you because of what my husband does. Now, some of my audience knows that he's a sommelier. Some don't, but if they didn't, now they do. And I don't even remember what event it was where I met you. It might have been that Rosé event um, a couple of summers ago. I really honestly don't remember. But we became Facebook buddies. And through that, I discovered you're, hey, you're hashtag anti MLM girl. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Because you are in the wine world. And today we're going to be talking about, you know, multi level marketing in terms of, you know, the various wines that are out there. And I have spoken about it in the past. Um, I did something on direct sellers and there was some other one that I did that took over when direct sellers like stopped being an MLM. And I can't remember what it was called. Wine ambassadors, I think possibly. And I also did traveling vineyards and I already, you know, let you know that my husband actually did traveling vineyards at one time. And that was in my video as well. So I outed him. So give us your backstory on, you know, your entry into the wine world and then your, um, I guess, disdain for MLMs. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I met my husband at the restaurant that I met you at <laughs> because he and I both worked there together. And at the time I was going through and finishing my degree at the University of Houston in hotel and restaurant management. And I had captured my interest in, in wine. And since he was uh, the new Psalm, uh, their first Psalm ever, actually, we went uh, on our first date at an event that uh, was called Wine Brats. And so it was a national organization that has since completely dissolved. I can't exactly remember why, but I know there was some negativity behind it. Uh, but we went on our first date and fast forward, that was 97. And so we're still together and still both very heavily involved in the wine business. <laughs> and there you have it. 
I didn't realize that your husband was in the wine business too. So I never knew any of this about you. That, that's really cool hearing it. Now, tell me about your disdain for MLMs because you're pretty, um, you're pretty staunch in your belief as am I, but I thought it was really great how we kind of like, you know, realize that about each other. I remember being in high school and having one of my girlfriends who was maybe 15 or 16 at the time host a party over at her house. And being that I'm 45 now, it kind of freaks me out that that was 30 years ago. <laughs> and we're all sitting down, hunkered in her living room with her mother behind us, looking at makeup samples. And God knows what that kit probably cost her at the time. And thinking, I cannot believe somebody at the age of anything would try to recruit somebody at the age of 15 to do makeup sales. When at 15, I can look at the makeup that I put on now and completely guffaw at myself because I had zero training and zero ability, zero creativity. How somebody could be predatory to latch on to somebody like that. And it turns out it was a family member, not a direct family member, but like a cousin or, you know, a great aunt or something. And they were just trying to, I guess, gain their upline, which is a term that I didn't hear until I started reading up about this stuff when you invited me to get onto a couple of those, um, those private sites and learning all the lingo and seeing these things. And, you know, what is a hun? Now I know what a hun is. Now I know what an upline is. Now I don't know what downline is, uh, you know, boss babes and all of these things that just, make me cringe. Now, have you been approached on social media from friends or anyone to like, you know, join anything? Uh, I have. And it's, it's funny because the only one that I've been asked to join and I've been asked to join multiple times is Rodan and Fields. Oh, wow. And you've and been asked on that one multiple times? I've been asked on that multiple times. And one thing that, that strikes me is surprising is that I have five girlfriends that are all in the wine business and they're all doing Rodan and Fields. Get out. Get out. And, you know, I know what they do and I know, I know around what they make. I don't really see them as somebody who needs a side hustle or whatever they want to call it. But, I mean, if you're making a good salary why do you need to invest in skincare and having parties and the only people that these people know in the business are people in the business so if we're already saturated with people that are not in the business and then adding people to the business we're all in the same friendship crew so who's going to decide who's going to pick whom out of the group to come and you know join yeah, no, I totally get that because if you're you're all in the wine industry together and all know each other through that wine industry, you know you hang out with the the same people. It's kind of like if you know I, I'm a former classroom teacher. Is it if I started something and I was at that school sooner or later, I was like, okay, you know, enough people have joined if they would even join. But you know, it even goes back to the whole thing about world population and over time it just kind of collapses because there's just not enough people to right. sustain all of that. And so what you're talking about is like a microcosm of the fact that after a point of time, it's like, all right, there's no one else. And here we are. And I, I actually bought these products 
a long time ago. I mean, it had to have been at least, at least six, maybe seven years ago. And I still have these products in my, um, <laughs> in my medicine cabinet. Uh, Girl, I need to, you should throw those out. I need to throw them out. I know they're completely expired. <laughs> By the way, nothing ever worked for me. And I bought the full-on packet with, you know, the $90 eye cream and the little blue capsules that go on your face at night, which basically is vitamin E. It just the only thing that I really liked was their self-tanner. And uh, there's a lot of self-tanner out there that's not $30 in a mousse. So it's, <laughs> I, I look at the, the prices on these things and if, these girls, they have plenty of, of, of extra money. I can't believe they would spend it on crappy skincare rather than just going to Sephora or Ulta or, you know, Nordstrom or Neiman's and going into their makeup department and investing in something that actually has some, some longevity or, or, you know, some, some facts behind it and not fake facts that are just made up by a bunch of snake oil ladies. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, can you just like take a wild guess? What do you think they're getting out of being part of Rodan and Fields? I don't know. Um, I, I will say that these, these girls are, are girls that I know that were in sororities in college. And maybe they're missing that sisterhood, that camaraderie. I don't know, but I pretty much get plenty of that with my girlfriends in the wine business. I don't need a t-shirt with some letters on it to make me feel like I'm part of a group <laughs> and, and I don't I don't need to be coached by somebody at at this age I, I can't I can't be micromanaged by people that are making their career out of being um predators and I can't believe a salespeople women in the sales business from, I mean, and, and wine sales is high pressure. This is not easy and it is not for the faint of heart. And you've got to have a really thick skin to get through it because people aren't nice. I can't believe these women as strong as I know that they are were sold completely 100% hoodwinked. And I don't, I don't get that. Well, I think that just goes to show that a lot of the, the indoctrination and how thought reformer, those tactics are used on people in order to join. Because a misnomer, a lot of times that I will hear is that, oh, well, you've got to be an idiot to join, you know, an MLM, which is absolutely not the case. As a matter of fact, oftentimes people who are highly intelligent, myself included, I have four freaking degrees, you know, um, because you try like even harder to understand how to make something work. It's not like you're smart or dumb to join an MLM. And a lot of times that's just what people think. As a matter of fact, I think last weekend, um, my husband and I were meeting a friend of his and she said something like that. And it's someone who doesn't know that it, it's basically like MLMs work much like cults. And you may have heard me talk about this on other videos. And that's true. It's like, okay, maybe you just haven't found your poison, so to speak. But all of those tactics can work on anyone. Anyone. It, it just depends on what that thing is. Maybe it doesn't work in this instance, but in something else that it could. And it sounds like whatever it was being used, it just worked on them. And I do think there's probably an association of that whole, you know, the sisterhood thing. I was never in a sorority either. You know, I was like the anti-sorority girl. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and, and another thing that just popped in my head while you were saying that, I, I, I don't, 
uh, I don't worry about their intelligence. I'm maybe I'm concerned that they see it as a challenge because we are in high pressured sales and we are women and maybe other people might not have been able to work it, but they see that as, as a challenge. Well, see, I think that goes back to them being smart and seeing like, well, if I can do this in the wine world, surely I can crack this nut and make this work, you know, and, you know, and I have said it so many times is that, you know, I tried to crack the nut, couldn't do it. And I'm someone who's always done extensive research, didn't do it when it came to MLM. And um, I'm also someone that has always figured things out and gotten stuff to, you know, that basically seemingly impossible odds make something work. But when it comes to MLM, that's not the case. And I've also said, wow, I'm saying that a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> that people who do succeed, in my opinion, because and this is based on me just kind of like seeing different things within this world, you come into it and you already have a network. And if you already have a network, well, yeah, it's going to be a lot easier for you to recruit people because they already know, like, and trust you. But if you're someone who doesn't have that, you know, you're going to be on the struggle bus. And, you know, thinking about your friends who are in it, there was probably one who's at the quote top that recruited and then it kind of like spread out. And then after a while, it's like, okay, that's it. Now what? And I'm sure them being in sales as it is, they already have all those skills of like, you know, how to sell anything to anyone, sure. right? And obviously a long list of contacts. Yeah. From yeah. All, all over everywhere in, in all sorts of niches, whether it's friends, family. I mean, when you're in sales, you get to know everybody's, everybody's facets. You know, yeah. you get to know them, you get to know their husbands, their children, you get to have holidays and you, you do things together, I think more based on that, that wine connection, because, you know, it's a social thing and you have like 15 people over and the next thing, you know, you're going out with their family and friends without them because there is just, it just, it it develops roots. Yeah. So um, I'm imagine they do get people to, you know, buy some of their stuff, so to speak, you know, maybe even join, but the fact that they would, you know, I guess, make the choice to join is a bit alarming. That's all I'm saying. But I do also want to talk because before I started, you know, recording, you're in Houston, obviously. I mean, you know, that's, you know, go to my husband's restaurant. So you see him where he works. And um, right now, this is the I guess the week before our big rodeo starts and I guess this weekend, the cook-off is going on too, right? Correct. Okay. So for those of you who do not know, Houston has the largest rodeo like in the world, as in there are people that ride horses into our city, close down streets to go to Memorial park and camp out. I mean, it's a big, huge hoopla and there is a um, a barbecue cook-off. And, um, there's tents there. It's, I mean, you have to have tickets to get in. Not anyone can just like get up and go. You kind of have to know someone and it's nice to know someone who has a tent because then you can get stuff for free and stuff. Um, I know, I know my husband was given a ticket from somebody where he works. And so that's how he was able to, you know, get into everything, but there's beer and wine. And I think it's at the cook-off, do they have like, just like a wine area or is that 
um, during the rodeo? Because I don't That's remember. during the rodeo. So you okay. can't go to the wine garden until the actual rodeo opens. So within the confines of the cook-off, everybody, there's tents. And so it, it gets kind of uh, funny when you, you have to, it's like a popularity contest. Well, who's, whose tent tickets do you have? And people will just run around with like eight armbands because each tent will have their own explicit armband and their security. And it's, it's insane. The amount of people that get DWIs and get fired from their alcohol jobs during the cook-off is, um, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> now you said that, um, I guess it was last year or, or was it the year before that you went and you saw some huns in the wild there, some wine huns. Tell I us did. about that. So I got invited to participate as, uh, because it's a charitable organization to donate some wine and in exchange for donating wine, we would have access to the tent, meaning, uh, all of the food and, and, and drink that we could possibly, uh, put in our, in our systems. So myself and my coworker were like, okay, let's ask our boss. We picked out an inexpensive wine that we thought would go well with barbecue. Um, we showed up and set up. They asked us to be there two hours earlier. Of course, setting up a table with some wine bottles on it does not take a whole lot of creativity. So within 15 minutes we were set up. So we we're just watching everybody else set up and we were assured that we were going to be the only wine people in that tent. And that was a lie. <laughs> but I think it goes like part and parcel with the fact that um, all of these, these large scale events where they have craft shows and fairs and things like that, these MLMs will come under a different, a different way. So they're not necessarily wine people they use some other i don't know terminology to get in so they're not necessarily competing but they go and they put them right next to the very 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 loud band so it's like okay well there's some retribution right there because nobody's going to be able to hear them <laughs> and, and their spiel <laughs> and their spiel they had a huge banner and it was two women with their little short denim skirts on and boots and they were well well into their 40s maybe even 50s uh you know probably just this is something i just want to do because it sounds fun and i get to drink and have parties and set up their table and then brought in their order forms and i'm like this is a charity event you not be here to sell your stuff. Like this is not what this is here for. And these are people that spent a thousand dollars per bar stool. And I took a picture. I, I, I want to say that they were at least $150,000 worth of, of space that had been purchased by people just to be in this tent because it was that, it was that big. But we, we're just waiting for people to come up and, 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 drink the wine. And these, these women just were like predatory women in the wild. And they were coming up to people that had our wine or a cocktail from the liquor booth in the, you know, in the corner next to us drinking. And they were like, you need to taste our stuff. And just getting in their face and interrupting their conversations. And it was just, this is, this is not sales. This is, this is a, a fun event and, and you're making it 
very uncomfortable for anybody who just wants to sit down and have a good time. Wow. Yeah. So they were there basically to book parties, maybe recruit someone. I mean, that was their whole thing. You know, they weren't there to just like, oh, we're bringing wine and donating. It's like, we're going to build our team from the cook-off. And we were in a, in a pretty, obviously a high dollar tent where there were a lot of, um, you know, medical doctors. That's not the kind of people that you need to be recruiting. You need to be in another tent. I don't think that they're going to want to have a side hustle. Uh, I, it's not, not my thing. We were just really turned off by that. And I was surprised to see it. I didn't get a chance to talk with the gentleman that was the chair of the tent to ask him how that happened. But I'm sure it was somebody's wife or somebody's daughter or somebody's aunt or somebody's cousin that just was like, oh, I'll do it at the last minute and probably got, probably got in through that, that method. Yeah, probably so, which is, you know, and I think that really goes back to even the person running the tent and they let their relative, if that's what happened, and we'll just pretend like that's what happened, is that so many people don't know what multi-level marketing is, let alone that they, they're not going to just recognize, you know, like, was it scout and sellers? Is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. They're not going to just recognize like, oh, that's an MLM because there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of these things, you know, worldwide. So expecting people just to know off the top of their head what it is, I think, you know, that's just an impossible sort of a no task. All it looks like to them is somebody has a t-shirt on, like, you know, if we're at the Jack Daniels tent and somebody's wearing a Jack Daniels t-shirt, they're just like, oh, they work for Jack Daniels. I don't know what Scout and Sellers is. Oh, they probably just work there. So it doesn't look like anything to them that would be suspect by any means. I wonder how much, um, they had to spend of their own money to bring in whatever, and I'm just going to say it, crappy wine that they brought in um, to, to, you know, cause I'm sure that they did have to buy, you know, however number of bottles of wine, like for instance, how many bottles of wine did you bring in? We did uh, three cases of white and three cases of red, which were all donated to via my distributor on paper to somebody, whereas they have to spend the money. They're not going to be able to call up their upline and ask for donation on wine because they don't donate anything. They pay for it. Now there, is there six bottles in a case for wine or is it 12? 12. 12. Okay. I couldn't remember. Okay. And we took home about less than half of that just for our own stuff. Cause you know, when you donate, you don't want to under donate. You always want to over donate. So there was wine left and you pretty much have to just get up and get out. And there's a lot of stuff to clean. So we certainly weren't just going to say, Oh, here's some extra bottles of wine to go along with the other God knows what else you guys have to clean. So well, we so for it. I'm just going to guess that the, that was $10 a bottle of wine for them and just say that they got, you know, brought in the same amount that you did. So they would have spent at least $720, mm-hmm. you know, at least probably, you know, and then do they bring like any, anything else like cheese or any, like, I don't know if you brought snacks or no, any different things. There was, there were, there was a chocolate place. And then there, I mean, there were each table had its own theme. Okay. Okay. So, we didn't have anything else. So everybody else had just their only one thing that they were able to offer. Okay. So they had between 720 to a thousand dollars probably of what they spent just to even be there. Right. Plus their tablecloth, 
all of the decorations. They bought fresh flowers. They had, you know, it, it looked like somebody who had probably gone to Michael's or Joanne's and spent, you know, a couple of hundred dollars worth of stuff so they could make it look pretty. That's fine. This isn't that type of event. Right. Well, no event is that type of event. And that, it's funny that you mentioned <laughs> about the craft shows because I have seen that over and over and over again. It's just like MLMs have infiltrated the heck out of craft shows. And right. there were, um, a couple of years ago, um, my husband and I were at Comic Palooza. And for people who do not know what Comic Palooza is, think of Comic Con, what happens in San Diego, but here in Houston, it's called Comic Palooza. And that's one of the events. There's another one that also happens. And this one happens at the George R. Brown, which is our enormous convention center. And, you know, we're walking around where all the artists are. And then after the artists, there's other things or there's different games, just, just stuff. And there was an enormous, and I am talking enormous, LuLaRoe booth. No one was there looking at anything. And that was like in 2017, you know? And I was full on into beach bunny, beach body, beach bunny, beach body hunting at that time. But literally no one was there. And now when I look, whether it be in the Facebook marketplace or, you know, because I'm in like some groups where people post different things about LuLaRoe and it's like good gravy, all of the, um, you know, like Salvation Armies and just all these places that have all of these clothes that literally no one wants and they didn't want them back then either. No. <laughs> I just I, can't imagine thousands I, of dollars. It's a, it's embarrassing to look at pictures of these, of these places where you could just see racks and racks and racks of some of the ugliest patterns known to man. It, it hurts my heart knowing that people have wasted their money on all of that. But bringing it back into the wine world, because that's what this conversation, you know, started out originally when we talked about, you know, you coming on as a guest, because I want to hear from you, because, you know, I've talked about it on my channel that, you know, the wine has got to be just, you know, swill, just leftover, whatever, because nobody in their right mind is going to be creating, you know, these beautiful, wonderful, you know, boutique wines for MLMs. And I, I just don't see it. So what can you tell us about wine in the MLM world? I've, I've seen a couple of different things. Uh, one, I was very surprised to see one of my very tiny boutique vineyards having their label. And I can't remember, I don't think it was Scout. I think it was another one that may have been through my, my Facebook newsfeed. And I was mortified because she used to live in Houston. She used to run a wine bar here. She married this guy who happened to be an assistant winemaker for a very well-known historic Napa Valley vineyard. And they got a couple of rows to make their own wine underneath their label. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. They just needed some financial, I guess, backing or at least a fire sale and sold everything to them because they couldn't get out their inventory. And these wines started at $18 wholesale and went up to 35 And for what they're selling them for on the MLM, they're obviously losing a tremendous amount of money because you you're not going to buy a $50 MLM wine. They usually cap them off around 20 or 30, but the amount of juice on the bulk market is pretty, it's pretty insane. Uh, I, one of the wineries that I represented, um, their entire business 
started on developing brands. So they'll get juice, purchase it on the bulk market for pennies, 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 pennies. Now, when you say get juice, what do you mean by that? Um, You can either buy grapes or you can buy juice. Now, buying grapes means you have to process everything in your own, whether it's a custom crush facility, winery, et cetera. If you buy juice, you can pretty much go to a custom crush facility or another facility and just fabricate something based on your needs. So if you want to make a Chardonnay that has a big stick of butter on it, because if you go to XYZ grocery store, there's usually an entire section now dedicated to Chardonnays that have the term butter on it. Yeah. So you've got somebody who just finds something that probably costs them $2 to put in a bottle. You put a really pretty label on it and you sell it for $20. Oh, so that's, that's quite profitable for them to do that. Correct. And that wine could be the same wine as in another bottle, as in another bottle, as in another bottle. So, Oh, wow. If, if there's, if there's, X amount of gallons per juice available to be sold. You can sell 2000 gallons to this guy, 3000 gallons to this guy, whatever you want. And each little guy is going to pay the same amount or around the same amount for it and develop their own label and go out and mark it up and sell it. And it's really easy to sell it to a place like these direct seller places because they'll just take the whole chunk. And I'm sure that these um, wine MLMs are looking for the, um, best price, can I say, or like the cheapest solution? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I mean, call it clean crafted. I think was another one that made me really upset because they were talking about how, oh, the histamines and 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 all of the sulfites and wines and how everything makes you sick, and that makes me sick because they're they're preying on people that 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 get headaches and and feel that way. Problem is, is the people that get these headaches. 90% of them are getting them because they're drinking mass produced wines that have things inside of them that would make you run screaming, you know, like the amount of sugar. Um, well, there's, there's sugar, number one, um, there's additives, preservatives, things that don't even go into natural foods, but people tend to think that they're getting sick off of sulfites when they don't realize that one French fry from McDonald's probably has more sulfites than an entire bottle of half of the organic wine that exists in the market. Wow. So um, are you saying, because correct me if I'm wrong, are you saying these people who are getting this juice and then creating their own label based on whoever they're having processed, you know, the juice for them to create the wine that they want it to taste in whatever way they, whatever notes they want it to have, that they are adding all these different additives to it? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the cre- the clean crafted ones, the ones that are going after the, the people that are that feel that sulfites are are killing them and they get headaches and that's why they can't drink wine. The okay. the other parts of the market, I mean, pretty much scout and sellers. I I don't I think that they talk about being clean crafted, but not to the point of that's all they are. When really, if you just look at how many parts per million of sulfites or sulfurs in your wine, then you can kind of figure out how safe it is, quote unquote, for you. But if you do the research, it's not about the sulfites. So how do you think it is that, well, you know, one of the things I think that I found funny was somebody else in my comments made mention that 
um, they like live in California and a friend of theirs or a cousin, somebody they know joined a wine MLM. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the world, if you live in California and there was, you know, Napa, Sonoma and all, why would you join an MLM? People can, you know, get wine from really good vineyards. Why would anybody choose to do that? I found that just bizarre. So what is your take on that? I, I have to fight that fight every day. How so? I have to, I have to get people to understand whether or not I'm selling at retail or to restaurants that my wine is clean crafted and it's not manufactured and it's not manipulated and it's family owned and it has a history and it has, you know, somebody that actually with the last name is at the property or the family's been in the property or the property has been in the family for 400 years and they still plow by horse. Sometimes that doesn't always work because mass produced wine um, tends to be at the forefront. People that write programs, well, I have to have this by the glass because the customers tell me I have to. Now, when you say white, write programs, we're talking about wine programs and they Correct. make their wine selection, right? Correct. Okay. Have you ever seen within any of the restaurants you've dealt with, have you ever seen any MLM wine? It's not legal. Oh yeah. Not, not in Texas. They have to purchase through a three tier system, which means they have to purchase through a distributor wholesaler and MLMs are not distributable wholesalers. They're direct to consumer. Yes. Yes. Now, what else can you tell us about um, these MLM wines in terms of, you know, what, what do you think that they are telling their distributors about them so that the distributors think they know something about wine? Because, you know, I would argue that you probably know very little. You have like, you know, an index card with notes and you're being told what it tastes like. And that's pretty much all you have to go on. That's exactly the answer. Oh, wow. <laughs> I figured it all out. You figured it all out. They will send you a box of wine at, at your, uh, whatever, that you paid for <laughs> with all of the tech sheets and all of the buzzwords and how to sell it. And they've got videos for you to watch to try to coach you through how to, to put these tastings together. I've actually been to one because my best friend begged me to because they were having one at her office and it, it, I had to sit there and bite my tongue for two hours. It was painful to watch this, this girl struggle and she couldn't even pronounce the varietals correctly, much less really give any further background or story or philosophy or anything on the wines because the wines are just a brand. They're not a story. They don't have a rich history. They have zero history. It's just bulk juice. Somebody slapped a label on it for the most part. And, you know, here you go, sell it. Wow. Because I know uh, my husband, you know, cause you know, he tells me of course, different stories. And when, especially when he does, um, you know, the, the wine tables at the kitchen table and everything, yeah. um, you know, cause he goes, cause you know, like whatever is paired with whatever, you know, they're going to have, because that's how no, and nobody else knows what I'm talking about, but you do. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the kitchen table, which may sometimes have wine pairings, there's three different tiers that you can get. And my husband will pair the wine with the different courses. I want to say there's four five or six courses. I can't remember how many different courses there are. And so he comes out and he describes the wine and he does give them the history and tells them all about it before they actually experience it. And, you know, he generally just picks something 
that day. So it's not like anybody's sending him anything with any notes or any whatever, but he's in the business. He knows the wine. He knows, he knows the winemakers and he's able to just like talk to them about that. So someone who is selling MLM wine like that, I, I have a feeling um, that if they go to a restaurant just because they've read a few things, now they think they know something about wine and they don't, you know, <laughs> they I, absolutely I, don't. I can't speak for all of them, but just based on my experience, it's been zero knowledge. I mean, yeah. just because it's juice in a bottle and it's red and it's Pinot Noir does not make you an expert. And this poor girl was just stumbling over her presentation. And she's like, I've been doing this for a few years now. And I was like, oh my God, if, if I was your upline, I, I would, I don't, I'd be embarrassed at, at my ability to, to mentor or to coach. Well, you know, the upline probably doesn't do it much better than she does, you know, that too. <laughs> you know, there's probably that going on as well. Um, I did go to a traveling vineyards event where a friend of mine had joined. This is back in my beach body days, but I do remember I got um, a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc and I want to say that, I don't know, it was like $17. And I knew at the time, I'm like, I am paying way too much for what this is. But on top of just paying for that, I had to pay for shipping. And so it ends up being like 30 bucks for this crappy bottle of wine. And I, you know, and, and we, we drank it and everything, but you know, I mean, I get good wine because of what he does, you know, cause you know, he'll bring home like, you know, something that's, you gave him something recently. And, you know, I'm like, I have the sincere and I'm like, Oh, I love this. I mean, so you know, I'm kind of an anomaly. I'm not someone like everyone else where they're, you know, husband brings some wine, but you can get like good wine, decent wine, at least at the grocery store. You don't need to do anything through an MLM, especially these days, even if you're in a small little dinky town, because you can order anything from anywhere on the internet. And it certainly doesn't need to be MLM. That is very true. And it, it, it pains me when I see, and talking about being in a small market, you know, obviously Houston's not like that. But if you've got a town where there's maybe a couple thousand and you've got a couple of these girls and there isn't a decent place to get wine, they'll just manipulate you. Well, you, you've got to buy from your, from your home girl, from your girl in the town, you know, we girls have to stick together or whatever stick they have to use, you know, because you don't want to buy from one of those big box stores because they just don't have any attention. They don't care. That kind of mentality, I think also gets people to, um, to purchase and to, 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 to pay back their, their sisters and, and their, their fellow neighbors and et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now my husband is on his way to see his mom and she lives in a smaller town here in um, Texas, the Corpus, as a matter of fact. And I mean, there are liquor stores there or anything, but it's much smaller than, you know, Houston. So I can definitely see somewhere like that. Or I'm thinking of like LaGrange, which for those of you who are not in Texas, that is um, about halfway between Houston and Austin. And if you're in a small town like that, and there's not really much of an option unless you do order online. So I can definitely see how it could be like, well, you don't want to have to drive to Austin to go get wine or do do that and they feel like they're in some kind of wine club because they can have it delivered to them each month and you're just basically paying you know too much for too little in return but they don't know it correct 
yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't really know how to combat against the whole wine thing. And I did see someone, I can't remember what it's called, but it's someone who I want to say she's WSET three. And for those of you who don't know what WSET is, it's wine spirit education and trust. And I'm not sure she might even be through, um, Oh, what's the other, what's the one that I'm, other one I'm trying to think of the court. I think she might be certified through that as well, but she has a couple of different, you know, high certifications. And I'm like, girl, why are you doing MLM? And to me, I just see someone like that going into it. They know full well how that type of business works and they know they can like squeeze people, so to speak, for the money. And, you know, if she knows wine, she's, I don't think she's going to be producing great wine. I think it's going to be more like what you're talking about. Maybe she's that smart little child that got out outside of the dispensary and sold her Girl Scout cookies. I don't know. I mean, if there, there might be somebody within that ML. I mean, she could climb up to the top pretty quick if she uses her. Oh, she has, she has her own one, her own MLM. Her own MLM? Yes. She created an MLM that's wine and she, she has certifications in wine. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's called, but I stumbled across it. This was a couple of months ago. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, wine, obviously, because you have these certs, but at the same time, it's pretty scammy because now you can take your knowledge and hoodwink people with it. Yes. You know, that's the part that I find very disturbing. You know, and I go back to like, you can get wine from so many places. There's no reason to get wine from an MLM. You know, just, I just, I just can't believe that those even exist, but they've existed for a long time. And it seems like that there'll be like a popular wine MLM and then it kind of goes away, but then there's always something else coming back to, you know, like bring it to the forefront. Correct. Which is why I think they, they had the, the fresh and clean one because they'll just keep morphing into something new and whatever's on the next bandwagon. And there's probably going to be like some canned seltzer MLM next for all we know. What's a canned seltzer? You know, the, the little White Claw? <laughs> no, I don't know what this is. Oh, it's White Claws. Uh, um, it kind of took over last year. It's a low alcohol seltzer that's like five calories or something like that. And it just sort of took over and exploded in, in the marketplace and surpassed beer sales certainly has surpassed wine sales it's pretty oh intense God. to watch this and plus people like it because it's um they can have it when they're on keto and all sorts of other little keywords oh well you know what that makes me want to ask you something else i have a very dear friend whom i love tremendously she's all into her skinny wine um is there such a thing it's wine with part of the alcohol taken out of it. So it's manipulated. Okay. So um, how much of a difference is there going to really be? If you're drinking a bottle of skinny wine, she's probably just going to drink the whole bottle, right? Because she can be like, well, it's, it's like you can have more. So I'll just have a whole bottle. <laughs> so it's probably not doing what she thinks it's doing. It's just, it sounds like it's, mar- it's marketing. It's marketing. A long time ago, when Atkins was first really popular, there was the low-carb wine. It's like 1.6 and 0.9 or something like that. 
there was a red and a white. When that went away, they took off those labels and then they called it the little black dress. And when that went away, they took off the labels and called it something else. And so this wine has been the same wine. It's just been repackaged and reformatted and projected to be and sold to get the next marketing scheme. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Okay, well, I don't want to keep you all day or anything, but I really do appreciate you talking to me. And I'm going to stop this and then we can wrap it up together, okay? That's fine. You know, I think my conversation with Heather really illustrates that there's multi-level marketing all around us. You never know where it's going to just kind of like rear its ugly head. It could be anywhere, including at a cook-off. And the thing is, is that, you know, like I was saying, most people really, they have no idea what multi-level marketing is. As a matter of fact, yesterday, somebody contacted me. I've known him for, I don't know, I want to say at least 20 years, something like that. And he was asking me about a particular company. And the first question he asked is, what is MLM? Because he'd seen that on my Facebook feed. And he literally had no idea. So although this may be our bubble, if you're someone that's a regular, you know, viewer of my videos and listener to my podcast, you may be in the bubble and you may know what multi-level marketing is. But remember, there are so many people out there that still have no idea what it is, how these businesses operate. And it's up to us to tell our stories, get the word out and talk about this openly because, you know, there is no shame in having dabbled into MLM. And granted, I get it. I feel shame too. But I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Makes sense. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Make sure that you give it a thumbs up if you're watching a video. Subscribe wherever you are and, you know, leave a comment. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what else would you like me to explore in the world of MLM and possibly the type of guest you would like for me to bring on to my podcast segment. And if you'd be willing to be a guest, make sure you let me know that too. And remember, change starts now. Mm-hmm.